0: CBHDD is reminding people that the Georgia Crisis and Access line can help those worried about opioid and stimulant misuse. The toll-free number is online and is active 24/7. More information at opioidresponse.info.
1: We're back for another edition of Political Rewind. I'm Bill Nye. Glad to have you all with us. You know, once again, we come to the end of a week uh, in which I think it's fair to say that we have gone through tumultuous, consequential, dramatic events, the likes of which most of us have never seen uh, in our lifetimes, uh, starting, of course, with the The virus spiking dramatically again in Georgia, as it is across much of the country. Many of you were with us yesterday when we uh, did a show, our public health show, on where the virus stands in Georgia right now. Uh, But then, um, a a subject we're going to really look into in depth today uh, the events in Atlanta starting over the Fourth of July weekend that were extraordinary and troubling to most people. We'll talk about all of that. As we get started on the show today, let me first introduce the panel. Um, Jim Galloway, of course, is with us. It's Friday. He's with us on Mondays and Fridays. Jim, the lead political writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. You read him on Wednesdays uh, and Sundays in the uh, newspaper. And, of course, he oversees the Political Insider blog at AJC.com. Good morning, Jim. Good morning. Good to be here. Good to be back. Haven't been on in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Glad to have you back with us as both you and your wife Judy continue to recover from <laughs> surgeries, in her case, a knee, in your case, a hand, which you you messed up in your wood shop.
2: Yeah, yeah, but the knee's coming along fine. We 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 walked down a, a flight of stairs a couple days ago. That's a big
1: deal. Oh my god. <laughs> there you go. Um, we're really thrilled to have uh join us today for the first time. The president of the Atlanta City Council, Felicia Moore, um, it really is, Madam President, wonderful to have you, especially because we do want to dig deeply into the events that have taken place in the city of Atlanta over the last week or so. But in introducing you, I think I'm right. I think I read somewhere that you your first trip to Atlanta came when your class, your high school class in Indiana paid a visit you get a, a class trip to Atlanta in like the late 70s and you fell in love with the city as a high school senior and determined you're going to end up living here you've been on the city council for more than 20 years and now our president have I got all that right
0: you got it all exactly right it was a trip down <laughs> on Campbellton Road to the club at that time Cisco I thought I died and woke up in black Hollywood I enjoyed partying at that time, and uh, I said I was coming back.
1: <laughs> well, uh, I, I, for people who love Atlanta, and I know our other next panelist, uh, Edward Lindsey, former uh, state representative uh, from Atlanta, uh, the week this past week has been very troubling. But Edward, glad you're ha- you to have you with us to talk about those events and more on the show. You doing okay? I'm
3: doing great, and uh, I'm very pleased to be here. And- Pleased to be here with uh, uh, President Moore, who's done a great job on the city council. And and as a native of Atlanta, I am uh, always happy to see uh, good people when they come to our city.
1: <laughs> Patricia Murphy is also uh, with us today. She, of course, is a uh, 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 an opinion writer, an op-ed writer. Her columns are syndicated. You can read them in Roll Call, often in USA. Today, she formerly worked on Capitol Hill uh, for Senator Sam Nunn and then Max Cleland. Patricia, I have note, and we'll talk about it a little bit later in the show, that your latest column uh, carries a headline of the Moms Are Not All Right. Pandemic is spurring another anti-GOP revolt among suburban women. And you build a lot of that column around uh, the discontentedness about What's going to happen in terms of schools uh, opening? And we should talk a bit about that later in the show. Okay, Patricia? Uh,
4: yes. And I wasn't just talking about myself, about the moms not being all right. There's actually um, quite a yeah. bit of um, polling and data that shows not the entire GOP, but President Trump specifically is really um, bleeding when it comes to the suburban women voters that he really needs to win.
1: So yes, happy to talk about that later. Okay, Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, We'll post a link to that column from Roll Call uh, on our social media platform so people can see it. Um, All right. um, Let's start. I I don't want to go into to to belabor this, but just briefly, here are some of the events that took place in Atlanta since the 4th of July weekend. Over that holiday weekend, there were more than 30 people involved in shootings. Uh, Five people were killed. um, And uh, and and it, things spiraled out of control. Uh, Sicoria Turner, an 8-year-old girl, was uh, later killed near the Wendy's where Rayshard Brooks was shot. The State Patrol headquarters uh, in near downtown Atlanta were ransacked, windows broken, graffiti sprayed, a small fire was set. Um, it, it's been a tumultuous time. Just this past Wednesday night, just two nights ago, three people were shot in East Atlanta, including a nine-year-old boy. He was uh, fortunately not uh, killed, but he was shot in both legs. And then subsequently, uh, the governor, Governor Kemp, declared that we were in a state of emergency and called in the National Guard. Uh, We think as many as a 1,000 guardsmen to patrol the streets of a key state facilities in Atlanta, Jim. Before I get to the panel, have I got those uh, events pretty well right? Yeah,
2: yeah, pretty, uh, uh, pretty, pretty well done there. Uh, the other part of that is, is of course that on the on the uh, primarily those National Guard troops were there to protect state property, and I'm told to kind of relieve yeah. state troopers and get more of them on the street.
1: Um, uh, P- President Moore. Uh this week on the show a couple times I've I've made a comment that I know sounds dramatic but I wonder if it isn't to some extent correct. It it feels like we're coming unraveled as a community right now. Uh guardsmen on the on the streets, uh shootings happening all over. It are is what's going on? Let me get it from your perspective as president of the council.
0: Well, I think there are a lot of events that are sort of piling upon each other. We, I think this started particularly with George Floyd and then our own situation with Rayshard Brooks, how that impacted uh, our police department. And that sort of led into protests that were started with George Floyd and a lot of unrest. And so I do think that we are in a, unstable uh, in situation and environment right now in the city.
2: Madam President, if if I could jump in here and and ask you to to address two points. Uh, Number one, uh, first, uh, Governor Kemp issued that emergency order without any consultation consultation with with mayor bottoms or or the or the city anyone on the city council i'd like you to address that and then second uh we ha- we had uh mayor bottoms uh before an, an, uh, the editorial board of the ajc the other day in which she elaborated on why the wendys uh, site of the Rayshard uh, Brooks killing had not been cleared, and she said she had been deferring to, to Council, Councilwoman uh, Joyce Shepard, whose, whose district uh, that restaurant is in. Uh, so if you could uh, address both points, please.
0: Well, the first point, I do think the governor should have communicated with the mayor and the police chief that just is a standard protocol whether he decided to do it with or without their blessing, he sh- certainly should have communicated. As it relates to the uh, Wendy situation, I have went over to that site several times. Um, I believe that after the shooting that took place there, between then and before Ms. Shepherd got involved, um, Ms. Shepherd got involved because her community was screaming <laughs> they weren't able they didn't feel safe getting through that location things were happening and she as a council person should went and got involved but there was a period of time before that that the city uh the mayor and the chief could have taken action to clear clear the situation out and then frankly i've talked to um supervised police supervisors and police officers because i've I called them and i wondering, you know, why are we letting the situation go on? And they were telling me that they uh, were told not to intervene. So, you know, somewhere in there is a reason why the site continues.
3: Well, I, I believe a couple of points need to be, to be made here. And it's my understanding that the governor, first off, uh, office has said, well, they did have the, he, he did have his chief of staff communicate with the mayor's chief of staff regarding the decision for the National Guard. Uh, I, I'll, I'll leave it to folks like Jim to confirm <laughs> not that in fact happened, but that's that's what the governor's office said. More importantly to the substance of what the governor has done, it, it's actually fairly restrained. I mean, the National Guardsmen are simply there to protect the building, uh, given what happened last weekend in which the Georgia State Patrol uh, facilities were uh were ransacked by a mob. I think that that sounds pretty prudent. And the idea of putting National Guardsmen around state facilities so as to relieve uh, state patrol folks to be able to patrol uh, streets in Atlanta, which includes state folks, I-, I think sounds like a pretty prudent thing to do, given uh, some of the things that have been going on during the last week. I am disturbed uh, when I hear... Uh, that uh, the police were basically told to stand down uh, rather than take control of the site at at the Windy site. And especially given the violence that happened and the tragic death of the young girl, it does remind me of what happened also in Seattle, in which police were also uh, told to stand down in that particular, what is it called, the CHOP uh, community uh, in Seattle, which resulted in two murders taking place. In that area where the police were told to stay out of, it, it goes to show that, you know, we do need law enforcement to be able to do its job. Uh, certainly, uh, I- there is a need for reform, uh, and that needs to take place, and that's been highlighted by a lot of things that have, uh, have happened recently. Uh, but this idea of trying to pull back police and being able to do the job it only results in tragic things happening.
1: There were so many uh, uh, events that took place, I want to be sure that our listeners are, are understanding the sequence that we're now talking about. Um, in the aftermath of the Rayshard Brooks sh- shooting death, uh, demonstrators uh, decided to es- essentially occupy the space around the Wendy's. It is my understanding that initially they were peaceful demonstrators who were trying to make a point about their anger over police violence, that sort of thing. The, the uh, Apparently, though, uh, elements came in who were armed, who had a different uh, attitude about what was happening on, and it was there that Secoria Turner was in a car with her mother and others, and they made the fatal mistake of trying to turn around in a parking lot right near that Wendy's, and some of those armed uh, I don't even want to call them protesters, disruptors, uh, fired into the car and killed that poor uh, little nine-year-old girl. So just to be clear, that's what we're talking about here. Patricia, when the mayor tells the Atlanta Journal-Constitution editorial board, she didn't use these words, when she says, oh, yeah, I wanted to clear it earlier, but city councilwoman Joy Shepard didn't want me to, um, I wasn't sure whether to take that as throwing Shepard under the bus. I, it was a, I found it to be an interesting way to frame the decision not to uh, break up the people who are occupying that area.
4: Yeah, well, I think her exact words that leaving the area um, unchanged by police, having the police not go in there, um, that that was not her administration's position. And to me, that was a very bureaucratic answer to a very serious problem for the people who live in that community, which is that there were there seemed to be two situations happening. There were peaceful protesters exhibiting their very real grief over what has happened. And there were armed, almost militia people establishing barricades of city streets stopping people, and in one case many weeks ago threatening a reporter, if you come through here, you're gonna get shot. And I think that's where it really, it's not a fine line to me, that's a red line of um, a dangerous, just such a dangerous situation just for the people who live there, driving down these streets, Um, just in my opinion, just totally unacceptable. And I understand certainly the sensitivity of not wanting to clear out protesters who were there in all good conscience. But when it when it creates a situation and the worst case scenario has happened where a little girl is shot in her mother's car, um, to me, that is uh, a real breakdown in leadership um, and just so sad and very disturbing. And the question arises, what has changed with the communication now? between um, the, the local residents, the mayor, the governor, the police department, the DA's office, the city council. There's obviously been multiple breakdowns here that the situation was allowed to be happening. And um, again, just the worst case scenarios is, is what is exactly what happened.
0: Yeah, I just want to say, because I went, I went out there from the time uh, Mr. Brooks was uh, killed to up until maybe about Thursday. I think I went by there the day... Uh, before the the actual shooting of uh, of the young lady Miss Turner's uh, death, um, but the protesters per se the people that were there would tell a different story, and theirs would be that the reason why they were arming themselves <clears throat> and being out there was because they didn't have police presence and they felt that they were not being protected by police. Understand, there were two shootings uh, prior to this, and they said that the police did not. And I talked to people who were right there on the scene. The police did not respond, and they felt that they were protecting themselves. They said one of them was a white gentleman that came through. They felt that they were under the assault of the KKK. And I'm going to tell you, as I went out there, you know, it was mostly peaceful. I did see some guns on a couple of occasions and people doing that. For the most part, uh, there were different factions of people that were there, and different things happening. That Saturday before she was shot, uh, Sequoia Turner was shot. you know, I can show you Facebook posts where there was music playing, people painting murals. It was a very family-type atmosphere. And so, you know, I do want to say that I believe Ms. Shepard was trying her best um, to keep the peace, uh, and she did it at the behest of her neighborhood. And um, the mayor's office and the police had every opportunity at any time that they wanted to. Actually, they had the authority to shut it down whenever they felt like it.
3: Well, I want to echo uh, what uh, President Moore said, that that we need to draw a, a very bright line between peaceful demonstrators and and folks acting lawlessly, and uh, and that's what the police are there for and should be there for, uh, including at uh, at protests taking place. Uh, to make sure that uh, those folks who wish to protest peacefully, even those who wish to protest against police action peacefully, are, uh, are safe and that uh, and that the very small elements that sometimes uh, tragically uh, get involved uh, to create uh, uh, mayhem him uh, aren't allowed to do so. Uh, we've, and that's what we saw at the Wendy's uh, location. Uh, when police weren't permitted to be there to protect the protesters and to also protect uh, the general citizenry uh, in the area. And that's what we also saw in Seattle. That's what we saw uh, in parts of uh, Atlanta uh, during the original protests a month ago, when uh, which uh, police all right, were so, overwhelmed.
1: All right, so, Jim, uh, that leads to another aspect of our conversation, which is that in talking to the uh, editorial board, your editorial board the other day, The mayor acknowledged something that she said before, uh, but uh, described it a little bit more uh, in more detail. Uh, She acknowledges that uh, the uh, uh, morale among APD, Atlanta Police Department officers, is extremely low. And uh, in part uh, because after uh, uh, because she has acted very precipitously, maybe correctly. I, I don't mean to judge that in firing several officers involved in violent confrontations recently, we don't have to go back and recount all of them, except to say that they have been shaken by the quick response the mayor has had to fire some of the people on the force, and then also by Paul Howard, who we'll talk about a little bit more in detail in a couple minutes, uh, for indicting uh, so quickly the officers involved in the killing of Rayshard Brooks. So, But for the time being, the fact that... Here we go, another layer of this. National Guardsmen in the streets, violence breaking out in the city of Atlanta, Atlanta police officers calling in sick and feeling uncertain about whether they have a mandate to try to keep the public safe. I get that many people think police need dramatic reform. That's great. But now we have a police force that may not be willing to uh, engage uh, even in their even in their most uh, basic duties as cops right uh, uh, it, 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 at the at the
2: newspapers editorial board and and actually in a in a Sunday press conference uh, uh, mayor bottoms was 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 uh, uh, de- really defended herself and her decision to uh, to, fu- uh, to fire those uh, let, let's let's kind of limit this to the two officers who were involved in the Rayshard Brooks uh, shooting Uh uh, Brooks was shot as he was fleeing. Yes, he had a taser in his hand, and he was apparently pointing, pointing it backwards. Uh, but he was—the uh, uh, officer fired three times, I think hit him twice in the back. Uh, and, and Mayor brookss uh, Mayor Bottoms's uh, 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 explanation was, just because you are allowed to do something— doesn't mean that you should be able to do something, and she thought that that situation could have been handled. And there are a lot of people who who, who very much agree with her. I mean, the guy was the guy left his car; uh, they had his address, they had everything known about him, yeah. Yeah. and they could have picked him up uh, 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 in in a nonviolent fashion. Is is the argument? Where 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 Bottoms, but Bottoms very specifically on Sunday, she pointed to Paul Howard. And his decision to to charge those two officers five days after the shooting, Uh, a GBI investigation that had already started has still not been finished. And you know, there there is you've you've got and and, and maybe uh our the lawyer on this panel can can address this a little bit uh better than than me. But you know, you've got a situation where if that investigation comes back and and contradicts some of the information that Howard's uh, charge is based on, then you could have a serious problem. Uh, okay, you I want
1: to park that for a second. Edward, I want yeah. Edward. I want to park that. I, I apologize. for I want to park that because we're going to come back to that in a few minutes. But I want to finish up this part of our conversation. We'll take a break and then go to exactly where you want to go. President Moore, um, and then I want to get you in, Patricia, before the break. Is there any way in which the city council – what is the city council's role? If, in fact, you agree with the mayor that we've got morale – really significant morale problems with the Atlanta police – Acknowledging they need reform, certainly we've seen that in the incidents that have occurred in the last month here. But acknowledging that, how what role can you and the council play in trying to work with the police to assure them that when they're doing their best work, they've got the backing of the city of Atlanta?
0: Well, um, in talking with officers, I don't think that we can, as the city council, address the fundamental Grievances that have uh, plummeted their morale. But what the council most specifically can do and is responsible for doing, and that's setting policy. So, whatever these reforms are, whatever uh, we want as policy in terms of use of force, the council is the one that needs to go ahead and set that because, frankly, part of their issue, and that's only one part, is that they want to know what the rules of engagement are. What can we do and what can't we do? so that we are sure that we're following what the mayor and the council and the citizens want and not find ourselves in a place where we're being arrested or fired without due process.
1: Um, Patricia, it's fascinating to hear President Moore use the expression rules of engagement. It makes sense what she's suggesting, but it's the kind of language we usually hear in reference to U.S. forces fighting in wars Uh, elsewhere patricia
4: well and it certainly shows just the incredible sensitivity and what the city council will be up against in playing these dual roles of trying to protect the people of atlanta with their police department and in some tragic cases from their police department it is just a very difficult um very difficult charge for them to Um, to have, but obviously very, very necessary as well because of this breakdown in trust on both sides, I think. And um, President Moore, is there a a timeline for policy changes that y'all might be considering? And do you know um, what might be on the table or what you think should be on the table?
0: Well, honestly, um, I don't know that there is a specific timeline. I'm sure everyone wants to do things immediately, if not sooner. Some of these things need to be really thought through uh, carefully. And frankly, what I'm a little concerned about is that we have so many different ideas, suggestions, task force. Uh, you know, the mayor has a task force for use of force. Uh, one of our council members is started start up his own task force. And then you've got several different entities and groups outside of the city who have ideas. Our inboxes are full. Our messages are full. There just doesn't seem to be a mechanism to funnel all of those things through and do it in a collaborative fashion. So to me, it's just a—it's so much out there that I think that we're not in a space of getting where anywhere. And that's what I, I really want us to focus on: is how can we collect all of this information? And I believe the council needs to first think about what is going to be our process for uh, determining how we move forward. Otherwise, we're just going to be spinning our wheels and doing little pieces here and there. And we're not going to get anywhere.
1: All right. I've got to get to a break. There are so much more to unpack in terms of the last week of activity, particularly in the city of Atlanta. We will continue that conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Political Rewind.
2: Thanks for listening to Political Rewind. If you like this show, you'll also like Georgia Today.
1: Back on Political Rewind, Atlanta City Council President Felicia Moore joins us. Patricia Murphy, syndicated columnist, uh, you reader in Roll Call, USA Today. Um, Edward Lindsay, former uh, state representative, now the head of the government relations practice in Georgia, for Edward, the world's largest law firm. Dentons. We're always glad when you're here. And Jim Galloway, of course, joins us as he does on Mondays and Fridays. Real quickly, uh, a a little program note. Uh, Jim, on Monday, you and I are going to be talking to Princeton history professor Julian Zelizer. He's got a brand new book called Burning Down the House, Newt Gingrich, The Fall of a Speaker and the Rise of the New Republican Party. I'm about halfway through the book. It's a fascinating read. And you and I had front row seats to a lot of what uh, Zelizer talks about, and we'll have a chance to do that on Monday's show. I'm looking forward to it, aren't you?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. This guy, this guy is saying that Newt Gingrich is kind of uh, Donald Trump's John the Baptist, if you will. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> all right, um, all right. So let me let me just set let me just set a brief agenda because we're not all in the same studio together for how I'd like to take the next step, Jim. I think the next thing to talk about here before we go to Paul Howard because that's an important story. Um, I think we should talk about how uh, Republican candidates in Georgia, Kelly Leffler particularly, are deciding to build messages around the violence in, that they saw in the city of Atlanta and uh, tell us not that it's confined to a group of individual actors who are not really part of a larger piece. Uh, movement, peaceful protest movement, but how she tries to bring weave the two together. Um, Tom Faust, if we can listen to the sound uh, labeled Leffler BLM movement, she was on Wednesday night on uh, Laura Ingrams show and uh, she was, of course she this week criticized the WNBA. She's a part owner of the Atlanta Dream. Uh, for wanting to put Black Lives Matter on the jerseys of all the players in the league. She's gotten a lot of attention about it. We'll talk about it. But here she is on uh, Laura Ingram Wednesday night.
4: There's no room in this country for racism, but this isn't what the Black Lives Matter political organization is about. They want to abolish the police completely within five years, and we can see what's happening across the country with this threat of defunding the police, which this BLM organization is leading the charge. You've seen anarchy and riots. You've seen murders in Atlanta. This organization didn't come out and protest the murder of an 8-year-old girl in our streets as a result of this mob rule that was happening in this autonomous zone, where are the voices on that? And so I felt like I have to speak out and make sure people understand that this organization is divisive in in its goals. It's anti-Semitic. It doesn't support the nuclear family.
1: And Jim, she has on any number of occasions connected uh, Black Lives Matter to the Democratic Party. Go ahead, Jim.
2: Yeah, yeah. Notice the use of the words anarchy, uh, riot, and murder, and Atlanta, all in the same phrase. Here, uh, you know, it's it's when, when when this thing, when when this this terrible, horrible week happened, you know, you had a lot of people pointing, uh, w- wondering if if Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms had been distracted by all this talk about uh, uh, Joe Biden picking her as his running mate. Uh, up for for a fall campaign but there's a, the, there's another political side to this a, a political after effect and that is the, the 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 decision by brian Kemp to to issue an emergency order and and national guard troops send national guard troops into the city of Atlanta in, in city of Atlanta that gave that gave Republicans who are who are are very worried about the outcome of the November race a foothold. On uh, on a, a, an argument, and Kelly Loeffler is is one of them. Uh, David Perdue has 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 kind of taken up that that same language in a, in a, in a softer softer zone uh, tone, I think. But but. But Leffler, in particular, has been using some very, very hardcore language, uh, intended to get get the GOP base out in this November special election when she's when she's trying to make her mark among uh, 20 candidates. And I think this has that that this uh, the unrest in Atlanta has given her a, a definite opportunity to do that.
0: Well, I, I just want to say, Miss Loeffler, she certainly has the right to express her opinion. So we'll start there and other people have the right to express a a difference of opinion. Black Lives Matter, the organization, is a difference than Black Lives Matter, which is the affirmation that you're hearing people state, making sure that people understand that Black lives do matter because of systematic racism and different things that have happened to Black people, and just affirming the fact that, yes, we do matter in this world. And I believe as a politician, I think she says it was political, but as a politician, sometimes uh, you jump on, as you say, sort of the things that are will get you that earned, unearned media and get you that attention. And this is one that has gotten her as well as other candidates' attention. They are attaching themselves on both sides, but in, in this case particularly attaching themselves to issues that are getting them the attention that they want so that they can get their message out and hopefully rally up their base?
3: Well, I, I think if you listen carefully to, to what the senator was saying, she, she made a clear distinction there. She was not speaking to, uh, to the slogan, uh, which I think is something that's very important for all of us to affirm, it's something that I strongly believe in as, as a matter of moral principle. It's to the core of my faith. As opposed to the organization Black Lives Matter, which uh, whose political agenda is far outside the mainstream, and she is drawing that distinction uh, between the slogan and the organization, and I think it's a fair thing to raise in terms of where do uh, where do her p- political opponents stand when it comes not to the to the slogan, and and, and, and I don't I, I want a better term than slogan because I think that's that the term Black Lives Matter is something that all of us need to reaffirm. And the slogan sounds like it's cheapening it. And I apologize if anyone takes it that way, but I, I do believe it is important uh, for uh, folks uh, in the political mainstream to uh, to come out and very clearly say, "Okay, we believe Black Lives Matter, but uh, we don't necessarily adopt the agenda of the organization that of uh, Black Lives Matter." Uh, who who are clearly outside the mainstream? If you look at their web page and you look at what they are promoting, uh, there are things that I think most um, Americans, Republican or Democrat, would disagree with.
1: Um, Patricia, jump in here.
4: So when I heard Kelly Loeffler um, on Laura Ingram, I think it's very important to note that she was on Laura Ingram's show on Fox News with a national um, audience. To me, she was speaking to one group, and those were potential Doug Collins voters. To me, um, saying a lot of these kind of buzzwords, mob rule, defund the police, um, doesn't support the nuclear family. To me, that is pushing hard, hard, hard right to try to convince Doug Collins voters that she's the conservative in this race in November. Um, I think a much more constructive much more constructive um, position as a sitting senator would be to um, either go to um, the area and talk to protesters and people down there and hear from them what is going on and what are they worried about. Um, But I think to use this and to talk about it on Laura Ingram's show with very political, um, extremely – Kind of catchy phrases. Um, that I know that um, political Republican operatives know that defund the police is not a popular position among moderate and even moderate conservative voters. To me, it was just it was just a political statement with eyes on November more than anything else.
1: Well, Bill, if I Jim, could let's listen to how David. To that per- real quickly. Yeah, go ahead, Edward. Just, just real quickly. I'm not
3: concerned about her going on Fox anymore than I am concerned about. Mayor Bottoms going on MSNBC. Uh, they're both political in nature. When it comes to the networks, we are in the political season, and so I would expect folks running for office to go on the various news networks with which they believe voters are going to listen to them. But I do agree, however, with, with with Patricia that everyone needs to be down talking to the protesters, the peaceful protesters, to to see where we can find common ground.
1: Uh, Jim, let's listen to how David Perdue responded to the uh, uh, the violence last weekend and, and continuing this week in Atlanta and the uh, National Guard coming in. He was on Fox Radio earlier this week. Here's what he said
3: one thing I agree with, and that is that we know how to protest peacefully here. We can demonstrate peacefully. We've got a long legacy of that going back to the civil rights stage. The difference this time is that we have outside agitators from outside the state really turning these peaceful demonstrations into violent acts of uh, terrorism, really. And uh, the looting and burning is unacceptable. Uh, taking it into parts of town that uh, that have never seen this before. And then the shootings. To have an eight-year-old girl shot down on the streets of Atlanta. My question is, where's the outrage? I mean, seriously, this is unacceptable. And I, I applaud the governor for stepping up and bringing out the guard to bring law and order back. Uh, it shouldn't be necessary, but it is necessary.
1: When he talked about she's talking about Mayor Bottoms, Um, Jim, uh, the term, the expression outside agitator conjures up a lot of images that are uh, none of which are particularly positive. Uh, No, no, that's something from the 60s and the 70s, as
2: as 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 both of us remember. Uh, I would I would point out one thing here in in in, 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 t- in both Loeffler's uh, remarks and uh, uh, Senator Purdue's remarks. Note that neither of them invoked the name of President Donald Trump. In fact, uh, uh, Purdue in that clip uh, credited uh, Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia. And 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 Kelly Leffler uh, has also been very very effusive in her in her uh, praise of Kemp for issuing that 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 emergency order and sending in the National Guard troops. Uh, they're they are trying to att- attract uh, members of the Trump base. Uh, in Purdue's case, without offsetting uh, some of the suburban votes that he still thinks he
1: can get. All right. Um- if we can, I do. Want to, I want to move on to another topic before the break. Um, President Moore, I'll ask you about this first. Um, and then after the break, we're going to get to Paul Howard, because we've talked about it a little bit already. But before the break, with the short time we have, President Moore. uh the governor has repeatedly said that he will not mandate the wearing of masks across the state of Georgia. He thinks people should he thinks people should wear them. He went on a tour demonstrating that he wears one, but he thinks a mandate is the wrong signal to send. Um, and now the mayor has said, "Well, here in Atlanta, we're going to wear masks. Uh, we're going to mandate them in defiance of the government's emergency order, which says no locality can take action." Uh, that exceeds what the state wants to do. Uh, Your reaction to the decision by the mayor to order mask wearing in the city?
0: Well, I think the mayor made the right decision, even if it may be questionable about whether or not it's enforced. The the frank matter is this coronavirus is new, and we're learning new things every day. And right now what we know is if you wear a mask, Bill, and I wear a mask, then we significantly reduce the transmission rate. So that is what I think, um, if nothing else, this is a strong encouragement to the city citizens of the city to say, you know, we need to cover up. We need to wear face covering.
2: Uh, Bill, if I can make two points here. Uh, number one, uh, on, on, on Kemp's reluctance to make a statewide mandate on the mask, I think one, one thing that, that the governor is concerned with is is his re, uh, Republican constituency. You have a a sector in the Republican uh, among Republicans that that view this as as too much govern, uh, government intrusion, and and I gotta say, in fact, you you, you would have a number of, uh, of of Georgia sheriffs who would be reluctant to to enforce this thing, uh, but. But on the other hand, uh, you've got businesses who want who want to 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 uh, to, to uh, they, they they want their uh, employees to remain safe they want everybody coming into their establishments to wear a mask but they don't want to have to have to be the ones to enforce it they want to be able to point to a local government requirement of that uh, the other thing i I would say is that is is that is that there's a building illogic to to the governor's uh, uh, refusal to issue a mandate, and that's contained in the university systems' requirement that all that mask will be will be mandated on all campuses. You have a number of school systems who are mandating that everyone in a in a in a K through twelve school will be masked, and you know if 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 you're not letting cities do that, how can you allow local school boards to make the same decision?
1: Yeah. Uh, Patricia, I was fascinated by the fact that Marta announced uh, overnight uh, that they would not require people to wear masks on their in their transit system. But but I thought the reason for it was particularly interesting. Uh, they said they didn't want to provoke possible confrontations, and you can imagine on a bus, uh, on a train, uh, in a confined uh, uh, space like that. If there's an anti-masker who gets into it with a pro-masker, we've seen that in other places, that could be trouble. But the fact that it could spark confrontations, and Marty uses that as the reason for not mandating masks, tells us a lot about where we stand right now in our partisan view of this.
4: Well, it does. And I also think it is... um... It's, it's just reality is are, are the MARTA bus drivers supposed to get up out of their seat and go back and make somebody wear a mask and kick them off? And um, I think it is just such a fraught time. You have to ask, how will this be mandated and who is going to be mandating it? And so um, I think uh, what the governor has done by, at the very least, wearing a mask himself and going around and asking other people to wear masks is probably as far as uh, some Republicans have gone, um, but it does uh, leave it up to businesses in particular um, and uh, anybody else where you'd like to see a mask uh, having to enforce it themselves. It's, it really shouldn't be up to um, the barista at Starbucks to be making people do this either. Um, and because <laughs> yeah. because it's become so political and politicized, I think that's made it even more difficult. Um, But the reality is, is it it is going to be um, required in schools, required in private businesses. um, And uh, the most you can do, since it's almost not enforceable, is say, please respect the health of other people and also understand that uh, this is just a very, very serious time. Um, And maybe if people... All right, let me get to to another break. Go ahead. You go ahead.
1: No, no, I, I really apologize. Um, I, I, I'm sorry, Patricia. I do need to get to a break. Um, thank you for that comment. I think, I hope, we got a full sense of what you were uh, talking about there. Let's do this. Let's take our final break of the show and come back with more on Political Rewind. Atlanta City Council President Felicia Moore, uh, Edward Lindsey, uh, Patricia... Murphy and Jim Galloway join me for the last segment now of Political Rewind Quick. Another quick program. Night program note. 6:30 tonight on GPB Radio, a uh, show called Georgia Today uh, will be on the air. Steve Fennessy and CNN reporter Nick Valencia are going to look at the string of violence in Atlanta last weekend that prompted the governor to call in the National Guard. Obviously a subject we've been talking about extensively today. They're also going to look at what the future looks like in terms of police Reforms in the city, which President Moore uh, talked about uh, on the show a little earlier as well. That's 6.30 tonight on on uh, Georgia Today on GPB Radio. All right, Edward Lindsay, I'm going to start with you because earlier when we talked about this, Jim Galloway said we ought to defer to an attorney. So Let us me set the stage briefly. Paul Howard, the Fulton County District Attorney, within five or six days after the shooting of Rayshard Brooks, the horrible shooting of Rayshard Brooks, decides to charge both officers with a string of serious crimes, the most serious being uh, felony murder. He does it before the GBI has turned in its investigative report. In fact, when they were just beginning to investigate the situation, that troubled a great many people. Now, Fox 5, Dale Russell, our good friend over at, uh, at WAGA, added an interesting twist to this in his reporting last night. Howard issued demands from a grand jury that the state turn over documents to the grand jury, that or the city, rather, turn over documents, the police department, relating to the shooting. And Dale Russell pointed out last night there was no grand jury even impaneled at the time. And now the GBI is investigating... What that was all about, and none of this should be said without pointing out, Paul Howard is in a very tough reelection battle with a former deputy, a Fonny, uh, uh, um Paul, go ahead, Edwards. Willis. Well... Willis, <laughs> Willis. It, it,
3: there are there are numerous problems here, and, and Jim actually touched on one of the most important ones, is what happens when the GBI comes back with conclusions different from uh, the uh, the actions that Paul Howard t- has taken in terms of charging these officers. The fact of the matter is that there are procedures that we have in place uh, to investigate police, uh, both internally within the police department and also uh, when it comes to any possible criminal prosecution. And that involves a GBI investigation taking place uh, so, so that the, the DA can then have something to go to a grand jury and make the proper uh, indictments and charges. Uh, The the fact that he acted without following that normal procedure certainly has raised some questions as to its motives and has raised concerns with policemen, um, you know, and police, not just the Atlanta policemen, but also other police departments uh, when it comes to assisting uh, in Fulton County. A lot of them have shown some reluctance to... Uh, to come to the aid of the city of Atlanta, when asked, uh, because they are now concerned about their police officers being entangled in a uh, in, in what may be a politically motivated uh, charges. So you you have all that, in place, and 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 we've got to be careful uh, about making sure that the proper procedures are followed, so that so that quite frankly, if a if a cop has acted wrongly and Uh, that that the charges will stick. It's not just simply a matter of making a charge, but it's a matter of making sure that the charge can go all the way through and be be found guilty before a jury. Uh, The way he's done it now will probably make it very difficult for these charges to stick.
0: Well, you know, I, I certainly am one that believes in due process, and I always say, if you don't like the process, change the rules. And I think in a lot of these instances that have go to the district attorney, while he is running for office and he has moved swiftly on many actions that have come from police departments, my concern at the end of it will be um, similar to what Mr. Lindsay said, if we find that the process not being followed ends in people getting off or uh, justice not being served, then I really fear for how people in the public will take it. And it could uh, make a bad situation worse.
1: Jim, this is a mess because we know that Paul Howard has already been under investigation for a number of uh, reasons by the GBI. And, and now, it as, as President Moore points out, it creates, and Edward did too, it raises questions about how justice is going to be meted out in, in this very important case.
2: Right. And, and look, you saw this on the, on the streets of Atlanta and, and in in Minneapolis, we we've got, you know, it's, it's not unusual for, 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 for law enforcement officers to be charged with wrongdoing. What, what's unusual is for them to be convicted and, and, I think what Howard has done, and in, uh, in 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 this hurry up charge of of the officers involved, I I think I, I think uh, Edward is right. I think it, it it could very well jeopardize the the prosecution, perhaps uh, requiring it to start all over again. That's going to frustrate people on the street, and and who knows how it's how it's, how 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 they uh, people might react.
3: And keep in mind, Edward, that the GBI has gotten a pretty good track record lately. Uh, they came in very quickly down in Brunswick. Uh, uh, did the uh, did the investigation? Did the investigation correctly? Unearthed some additional evidence and and push forward uh, with criminal charges very quickly against uh, those two individuals down there who engaged in in something that I think all of us would call a lynching. And and I'm very proud of what the GBI did. So you know the fact that they were frozen out of this investigation, really really raises some
1: serious questions. Patricia, we've got just a few minutes left in the show, but I mentioned at the top of it you have a really interesting new column uh, that I saw in Roll Call. Um, And basically, just give you a minute here to explain your thinking here. What your column, you use education as kind of the, uh, the main anchor of the piece, but it all leads to an understanding of how suburban women are turning against President Trump. If I got that right. Uh,
4: yes. And I focused on suburban women because that that's a group of women that have tended to be a little bit swingy. That They voted uh, Republican traditionally uh, in 2018. They certainly swung toward the Democrats, although I would say these problems are applicable to all women that um, in the pandemic. Um, millions more women have lost their jobs than men. Um, far fewer women than men as a percentage were granted PPP loans for their small businesses. Small businesses are also a means of employment for a lot of women who are also taking care of their children. And then with this uncertainty around schools, there is no backup plan for women who are still in the workforce or looking for jobs of what to do. How long is this going to go on? You cannot do both. You certainly can't do both well. To be home with your kids or taking your kids elsewhere to other people if you're working outside the home, it's a terrible crush for women, and um, uh, suburban women in particular are uh, voting right now with Joe Biden by about 30 points. Um, I think because of that,
1: President Moore. I want to give you the last word. I want to give you the last word on this before because we're virtually out of time. How concerned are you about reopening of schools in the city of Atlanta? I know I understand city council doesn't control the Atlanta schools. Nevertheless, you're obviously concerned.
0: I'm concerned if they do, and I just what she just said. I'm concerned if they don't. It is a big concern and something we'll have to grapple with.
1: All right, you get the last word on today's show, President Felicia Moore of the Atlanta City Council. It was really a pleasure. Will you come back again sometime? It was great having you on. I would to.
0: Enjoyed
1: it. Terrific, terrific. Uh, Edward Lindsay, Patricia Murphy. You know we always uh, love having you as part of our conversation, and Jim Galloway, you as well. Monday we're back to talk about our good friend Newt Gingrich on Political Rewind. In the meantime, I'm Bill Nygut. I hope your weekend goes well. Please take care and stay healthy. See you all next week.